welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hello, I'm Tony Bromley and welcome to Research Culture Uncovered podcast. This is season two. In season two, we are talking to presenters from the Research Education and Development Scholarship Conference, the 2022 conference. The conference theme was how do we stop losing talent in research careers? And we talked about a host of aspects of research culture. Particularly today, we are going to talk about that very common aspect of the isolated doctoral researcher. Uh, With me today, I have Paula and Laura. And their presentation title was Getting Together to Overcome Research Loneliness in Two Argentinian Virtual Writing Groups. So if I could ask you to introduce yourself. So Paula, if you could introduce yourself for us. Okay, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Paula Espeche. I'm a literature professor at um, Universidad Nacional de Cuyo in Mendoza, Argentina. I am also a doctoral student. I study concurrent virtual writing groups. Now pass over to uh, Laura. Did you mute there, Laura? Was there some dog barking in the background? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I muted that. That, That's good. If you could introduce yourself, Laura. Thank you. Hi, my name is Laura Colombo, but everybody calls me Violeta. Um, I'm an adjunct researcher for the National Council, uh, Research Council in Argentina. Um, I'm I'm, uh, based at the University of Buenos Aires. Um, I have been researching writing groups since 2012. Um, And well, I'm working, I have the honor to be Paula's supervisor. We have been working together for a, a little bit more than a year now. And, and we are conducting research on that topic. That's great. Thank you. And you mentioned the Violetta. That was the uh, reference to your love of the colour purple. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Which is nice. I have been wearing a stripe of her, yeah, almost two decades now. So, (laughs) (laughs) And and why not? (laughs) Yep. Okay, if we could come to we could come to the questions in relation to to the work that you've done. So, um, Paula, it does. It seems really common in doctoral studies that there can be feelings of loneliness. So, what do you see as the common reasons for why feelings of loneliness, if I can say the word loneliness correctly, <laughs> so what do you see as the common reasons for why feelings of loneliness can arise? Yeah, um, unfortunately, it is really common, and I think first we need to link these feelings of loneliness with the experience of isolation. And isolation can come in many forms. It could be physical isolation, for example, for international students, they have to move from maybe from one city or one country. They need to adapt to a new academic context, sometimes adapting to a new language. They need a space to be alone, to write, and this can be really disruptive within their common daily routines and also can cause feelings of loneliness. Also, isolation can come from interpersonal um, bonds. You know, there is a real strong need 
for good social networks when um, students are doing their thesis dissertation the main uh, the most important bond it's with the supervisors but also with their friends and family when well as i said this could be really disruptive within the daily routines so it it needs to be important to have a, a strong support and also with the peers it's good to have someone that can empathize with what you're feeling that they can give you recommendations tools maybe some readings um, particularly for humanities and social science students it's a group that are particularly prone to feelings of isolation rather than students that work on a lab or on a broader research group. Also, there are aspects that are inherent to the doctoral journey, uh, because this is a highly demanding studies that um, they, it, it could be a transition from course taker to knowledge producer. And this type of uh, studies can cause us these feelings of isolation because they can make the work balance uh, quite difficult. And also the competitive research culture, it can generate stressful environments that can actually make us feel really lonely. It's interesting you mentioned the differences in disciplines as well. It can uh, kind of discipline aspect um, to it. Although you can um, on the laboratory side, you can be lonely in, lonely in a crowd as well. It is it is a possible thing. But yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so. How have you found the writing groups of support researchers in helping with uh, loneliness, Paula? First of all, uh, there are many studies that indicate the importance of these types of initiatives in order to cope with feelings of isolation and loneliness. And also, um, within the different interviews that we made to our writing groups and also some memoirs that our participants have made, said by the participants that they can cultivate, cultivate horizontal relationships with people from different disciplines. So um, they create new relationships with their peers. They engage in relevant discussions about science and about the way of being in the academia. They also can share texts, resources, tools that can be helpful within their journey. And so in one of the writing groups, we call the space you know, to Las Vegas, in the way of saying what happens yes. here stays here. You know? Yes, <laughs> I, I like that terminology. It's a nice term. Yeah. I was going to move over to Laura now, I think. Um, can you tell us more about your study and what you actually did? During the first groups that I was a coordinator or a facilitator, I like it better, um, I was part of the groups. So I would present my texts and I would also be a participant. I was... Right kind of like the organizer, facilitator, and I was also participating. Then I started only facilitating these groups. And then I facilitated the facilitators. So, right. <laughs> so um, there were different ways of implementing these groups. I So my role changed over the years. Yes. Uh, and it's very interesting because the way that we implemented these groups kind of like changed with every um, every time that we uh, inaugurated new groups. So 
this is actually, I think, good for research because it's giving us some longitudinal point of view, which is not so common um, for this kind of initiatives. Um, even though the participants changed um, and and we have been we and, and we talk we because we belong to a research team so and yes we actually don't always not, do not only preach about it but we actually do it we try not to work alone because we always think that uh working with peers it's it's i mean enriching and better um so we are trying different ways of implementing this group so when you ask so how do you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what do you do? It's just like we do a million things. We have been doing a million things. Yeah. Well, I was thinking this the scale of this as well, from what you've said previously when we've talked previously. This is you've had there's quite a scale to this, isn't it? You've done you've done more than one or two reading or uh, writing groups, haven't you? There's yeah, a lot of them. To date, I think that we have over 25 writing groups. I started in Argentina coordinating a writing group inside the research team that I belong at that time in 2012. Then in 2015, I called some ex-students from a graduate seminar. And then I worked with an Ecuadorian colleague and she started implementing writing groups in Ecuador. And in 2021, I worked with uh, colleagues from Uruguay. <laughs> so we implemented re um, response writing groups online. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and, and as far as we know, I mean, we have been, at least the groups that I coordinated were the first ones in Latin America. Right. Uh, and in in 2020, we started participating with Paula um, in a in a Latin American group uh, where we meet with other colleagues from Latin American countries, and they started to implement uh, writing groups in their own institutions. So it, it's a brand new field, and and, yeah. and we are very happy to have people with whom exchange data and and discuss what we are finding i mean we're still learning about all this i was just wondering when you've got that many different uh writing groups and they've probably got nuances that are quite slightly different to each one um i just think of people listening is there perhaps the most recent one you could perhaps there's people quite like the practicalities of things how it's the detail of how it's actually done perhaps could you describe the most recent one perhaps is it do you meet once a month once every six months does it last sure. 10 years two years <laughs> you know just to give us just just choose one of them and just give us an example of how, how one of them is, is working well uh the concurrent writing groups that Paul coordinates and or facilitates they meet once a week and actually, she has several um, meeting times. Uh, they work similarly to Shut Up or Write. You oh, okay. meet with other yeah. people, you gather, you work on your text. Um, and there are different sessions during the week, so people mm -hmm. can join, um, I mean, the session they choose. The response writing groups or the review groups, they are also called that I coordinated. The last run was with professors from a university in Uruguay. Um, the other groups keep on working. There are like seven groups working here in Argentina that I facilitate the facilitators. Yeah. And in these type of groups, the meetings ideally are every two weeks. 
because um, they they are um, they have three members or four members each group. Uh, so this gives the possibility that each month and a half everybody is going to present a new yes. uh, draft. So and it gives them time to review in depth because these type of groups demand for people to sit down, read, and 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 give feedback to their group mates. Yeah. Um, so ideally, they start every 15 days. But later, we have been uh, discovering <laughs> that each group kind, kinds of like, uh, they come up with their own rhythm. So if they find it 15 days, like two weeks is too long, they, they meet earlier or because the idea is for the group to work in an autonomous way. That's right. what you want to achieve as a facilitator for the group not to need you. I mean, because basically what we want is to create a safe space where people can get and receive feedback and not any kind of feedback. That's the other characteristic of the review groups is that you have to learn how to give and receive comments. Yes. Uh, we that can be a difficult them. one. Yes. I'm just looking at, trying to bring things together a bit, actually. I'm looking at uh, the questions I was going to ask you. Um, what would you say are the main findings then? So um, it's not like a sales pitch, is it? But after the, the work that you've done <laughs> for so many years, particularly, what would you say are the main findings? Absolutely. These type of groups offer visibility to the writing, uh, which it sounds kind of obvious, but it's not. Uh, we are expected to produce and write a lot in academia, but we're barely given spaces and time to do that. And, and we tend to conceptualize writing as a solitary activity. And actually, it shouldn't be that way because because there is a lot of dialogue going on, especially in academic writing. I mean, you are constantly inviting other people to your text. Uh, and, and we think, I mean, what we have been finding is that these writing groups offer an opportunity to actually uh, open up new spaces where people do academia in a very different way and which is a collaborative way. And um, that we have been noticing in the review groups and in the concurrent writing groups. So even people who just gather to write, sit down and write, shut up and write, <laughs> that, that even happens because uh, in the opening and closing moments, uh, people figure out that other, other uh, academics go through very similar processes that they yeah. do. And, and of course, this um, helps questioning these ways of um, enacting these literacy practices. Yeah. Um, another finding then we, another thing that we found out uh, with the Ecuadorian colleague, we wrote uh, an article that interdisciplinary writing groups actually work. <laughs> um, so, and they are helpful because they widen the audience for those who are writing in their own field. And, and they also help exchanging with colleagues and you learn that science is not done everywhere in the same way, um, which is also um, very, very enriching. Yes. Mm, there is not so much competitivity, so that helps as well. And 
it gives participants a sense of empowering because they're not just going out there for their papers to be uh, shredded <laughs> or destroyed by reviewers. Yes. They had uh, a friendly a friendly way. And related to that, um, I have, uh, at least in the review gru groups, I have also found that uh, people find this type of space uh, very, um, very useful to learn how to give feedback, not only to colleagues, but also to uh, when they act as supervisors or when they are grading students' papers. Um, even though there are different types of feedback, of course, when you're grading a, an undergrad paper or when you are like giving feedback to a, a PhD student, but they found that these ways of commenting, not correcting the texts, tend to be very useful. No, it's interesting that you've um, the in the title of your presentation you, you talked about loneliness, and it's 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 interesting to see how uh, the writing group um, supports people from sort of moving away from being lonely. But you've mentioned so many other aspects of research culture uh, within what you've just said. It's interesting, right? Um, I just want to pull things together. Actually, um, the to, to summarize, I wondered if. I feel like I might be putting Paula under um, pressure here because because you're the one doing the doctorate currently. I'm going to ask if there's going to be any publications. Uh, perhaps um, Paula, if <laughs> you're able to. You know, this, I've not been fair asking you this question in front of your supervisor, but, you know. Okay. Um, so the question is if there's going to be any Publica other publications. Will there be publications? Or there may be ones perhaps Violetta, Laura, yes. some she could mention. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> There, there will be. Yes, there, there will, will be publications. Yes. yes, good, good. Um, People who are listening can't see me, but I'm moving my head up and down. No, and no. Yes. <laughs> I was checking if I was understanding the question. Yes, yes. Yes, there will be, there will be publications. Great. Yes. Be um, People who listen to podcasts, we we will put uh, links into the show notes for the podcast uh, for any if if you have a link for publications, so people can get to those publications. Um, I think that was all I was going to ask you. So um, thank you for joining us, um, and uh, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. I'll leave it like that. So thank you to Paula and Laura. Say goodbye. I just, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for thank the invitation. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Email us at academicdev at leads.ac.uk. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.